0: you would look in your Bible, please, for the scripture reading for the message this morning, Judges chapter 6, it is, three small verses, Judges chapter 6, verse 12 through 14, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, that is to Gideon, of course, there on the threshing floor. Sorry, there on the the wine press where he's threshing wheat. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if If the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Say, did not the Lord bring us up out of, uh, bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us. And delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Turn with me, if you will, please, in your hymn book again and stand with me. We sing together number 630. My God, permit me not to be a stranger to myself and thee. Amidst a thousand thoughts I wrote, forgetful of my highest love. <clears throat> my passions mix with earth and thus debase my heavenly birth. Why should I cleave to things below and let my god my savior go. Call me away from flesh and sense. One sovereign word can draw me thence. I would obey the voice divine. And all in fear Joys resign Be earth with all Her scenes withdrawn Let noise and vanity Be gone in secret Silence of the mind, my heaven. There, my God, I find. Thank you. Be seated. We began to look at these verses all last week under the title If Then Why, or subtitled Reasoning in Affliction. I will not attempt anything like a re-preaching of last week's message. You have it. But I just remind you that I set out to try to expound these scriptures under an outline, which is not something I always do. I sometimes have an outline. I sometimes do not. I make no attempt to fit a form, but I did want to have an outline of this, these three simple verses and wanted to give it to you, and I went ahead and gave you my entire outline so that you would not be lost in the forest as I proceeded along. I said to you that we would look at these verses under three headings, all of which are contemplating that Question, if, then why? Verse 13, Gideon's response to the Lord, when he came and said, the Lord is with you, thou mighty man of valor, and Gideon said, Lord, if, then why? And I said that we would consider that in three headings. First, I wanted to give you and did give you on last week the context of the question. That's all important, very important, to understand the context of the question. And then I started to take up on last week my second point, that is the consternation of the questioner. Get in, and made some headway in that direction before I left off. And then I said to you, "We will consider, Lord willing, the consolation of the question." We shall yet see that in verse 14. And I said to you that these are the three rules. Which we may furnish, these three rooms we may furnish in order to entertain the guests of God's instruction for us from this passage. You remember the setting, the scene, the context. Gideon is there on the threshing floor, I mean on the, in the wine press threshing the wheat, and uh, in the consideration of that first point, the context of the question. I brought to you the context of that question. First of all, I said that there was the remembrance of previous delights. And then I said to you that there was the recognition of present disaster. It's that that Luke was praying about a while ago concerning America, clearly recognizing in his prayer, present disaster. But then in the context of this question I brought to your heart the fact that there was the realization of a painful desertion. The Lord, Gideon said, has forsaken us. Oh, the realization of that painful desertion, and we talked about that on last week for some considerable time. And then I took up, as I said, the second point, which is this great consternation of the questioner. And already I have had much to say on the matter of his consternation. You must know as you look at that scene there, as I have depicted it for you already several times, you must know as you look at that scene and look at Gideon that this is a man in gray consternation surely. He is, I mentioned only this last week, he is totally degraded, and I gave you three, at least three areas. He was, first of all, he was threshing, which was a job for servants, and yet this is a master of the household, not a servant. He's degraded to the job of the servant. Secondly, he's threshing With a stick by hand, not with oxen, not as it should be done. He's doing it individually, separate by hand, striking, striking, striking by hand. Degraded to the use of a simple stick. And finally, I said he's degraded in that he's his location, he's in a wine press, not a place made for threshing wheat. Is in a terrible place. And all of these things point us to the fact that he is deeply, terribly degraded. And that degradation has brought his heart to consternation. And having now looked rather closely at this consternation of the questioner, I told you on last week that I wanted to pause here in my exposition, for just a little while before moving on to my third room, I wanted to pause here and consider more closely the questioner and his consternation. I've described already several times in rather graphic detail the scene here recorded at the introduction of this man to the sacred record, so that you may have in your mind a clear understanding of the cause and extent of his consternation. But now it is that consternation itself on which I wish our hearts to dwell before I move on in the record. Dear old Webster in 1828 defined consternation as quote to throw down the faculties in horror and amazement. To render helpless by casting down. This is clearly Gideon's condition and thus I chose that word. Thrown down, his faculties, thrown down in horror and amazement. Rendered helpless because of a casting down. (coughs) But now, now, when we come to this twelfth verse, now the great God of glory appears to him. And surely, there must be great lessons to our hearts in that appearance. I suggest to you this morning three areas worthy of your consideration and application to your own walk. To your own walk with this angel of the Lord. First I suggest to your mind in the light of and in the context of this consternation I recommend to your attention the timing of God's appearance. (laughs) The timing of God's appearance to this poor soul in consternation. Number one Notice with me from the text. It is after the appearance of the man prophet. After the appearance of the man prophet. Verse 8. The Lord sent a prophet. And what did the prophet do? I brought you the messages from these verses. He disclosed to them the word of God. He preached to them the word of God and in verse 10 declared to them again who this God is that he said, I am the Lord your God. Notice the timing of this angel of the Lord, the Lord and angel. The timing of his appearance is after he had sent to them a man prophet. <laughs> oh, what a tragedy. Modern Christianity has brought to this business of meeting with God. Surely, 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 you will agree with me this morning that the universal teaching of the scriptures is that when God sets about out, to do a thing among his people he will send his word to effect that work god uses his word the timing of the appearance of this angel to Gideon is after he sent the man prophet with the word of god <laughs> Could I just lay it out for you as a rule, as a principle of Bible dictate. God will effect his work by his word. Here in our text, as to the timing of God's deliverance for Gideon, as to the timing of God's deliverance for Israel, it was after he sent the prophet. Our God will do nothing but that he works by the instrumentality of his word. We've spawned, hear me, because I was among it, I know whereof I speak. We have spawned a bastard generation of masquerading ministers today who think to achieve God's work, by carnal productions of Hell's Flesh pots, Hollywood dramas, productions, fiery light shows, pounding throbs of mind-numbing, gaudy music, pusillanimous submission to worldly pageantry and secular psychology. All of this and a thousand more tricks of treachery to do God's work when the clear, consistent, and concerted voice of the scriptures is that God works by his word. By his word. All the trappings and pageantry of the world. Be away with it. God works by his word. The timing of this deliverance to the Israel, the timing of this appearance to Gideon is after the prophet has gone. Oh, the references in the scripture are far too many for me to hope to entertain them this morning. But if you like a reference, the whole of that 119th Psalm is enough to silence all the naysayers that all of God's work will be done by God's word. He exalts His word. God appeared to Gideon after He sent the prophet and proclaimed His word. Oh, may God give us... Luke was praying for America a while ago. Oh, may the Lord give us back men, men of the word. Men of the Word! <laughs> Saw a church side this week. Sorry, fellas, I didn't get it set out. I know we try to do that for one or another. Saw a church side on a Southern Baptist church, an old Southern Baptist church in Calwetha County this week. And the sign out for us said, Come on in and get you some Jesus. What a damnable, blasphemous adoption of the world that is. We need men of the word. I said to a pastor here recently, he has so much trite rubbish on his church sign. Had one not long ago said, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I said, you got a Bible full of scripture. Why don't you put the word of God on your sign?" Notice the timing, it was after the prophet came. But secondly, notice this about the timing. Notice this about this timing of this angel's appearance. It was when Gideon was alone. Oh, don't miss this. it was when gideon was alone <laughs> oh you know the story in first kings 19 you remember the story in first kings 19 it was not in the noisy bluster of that great strong wind that rends the mountains, and the Bible said breaks in pieces the rocks. It was not in the midst of all of that that God spoke. It's not in the tremors of a violent earthquake, nor the flash and flurry of a heaven-sent fire, that God is heard by Elijah in First Kings 19, but it is in the solitary quiet of a still small most Americans can't get still long enough they can't get quiet long enough to hear the voice of God it was while Gideon was alone oh my beloved saint this morning it won't be in the clanging clatter of the bustling crowd even if that crowd is in a so-called church. It won't be in the clanging clatter of a bustling crowd that God's voice is heard. It won't be in the roaring crowds of populist conferences or the noisome trappings of public fellowships. That you'll hear God most clearly. Most clearly. You're going to have to steal away. Somewhere. And learn what it is. But get alone with God. Just you. Just God. Just alone. Oh how graphically and how repeatedly. Do we see this in the communal life of our Lord Jesus Christ in his fellowship with the Father? Surely he is our quintessential example. You remember it well, do you not? In that text in Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22, listen to it. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples, his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Oh, look at that. What I've called just a passing reference, really. Wasn't meant to be a, a bold statement, just a passing reference. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 18, it came to pass as he was alone praying. As he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. Came to pass as he was alone praying the inspired record says and then in Luke chapter 5 and verse 15 look at this Luke chapter 5 and verse 15 but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to hear to be healed by him of their infirmities and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed He wanted to be alone. Can I just say it again to you? Just as a warning to our hearts, most of us are too busy to get still and get quiet and get along with God. But oh, if you're to look to our Lord Jesus Christ, If you're to look to our Lord Jesus Christ for the supreme, preeminent example of this, surely there's no more sacred place that you can look than there in Matthew chapter 26 when you come to that sacred, most sacred scene of prayer in all the Bible, Gethsemane. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto the place called Gethsemane and saith to his disciples, sit ye here while I go. Sit ye here while I go. Yonder and pray. And he took with him Peter and two of the sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful, very heavy. And then said he unto them, My soul, Is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tear me here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. You remember the scene? I don't have to read it all to you. Verse 42, he went away again the second time and prayed. Verse 44, he left them and went away again and prayed. Oh, Oh, my beloved, sainted friend this morning, don't miss this. It was while Gideon was alone that the Lord the angel came to him with this glorious message. Oh, if you're ready to hear his voice this morning, if you're aching to hear his voice this morning, can I tell you, it won't do. Hey, if you're wanting to hear his voice this morning, it won't do to send out a group text with all your sorrows. If you need to hear and meet with him this morning, it won't do to seek out the sympathetic ears of a dozen like-minded friends on Facebook. If you need to hear from him this morning, it won't do to set up a prayer chain that circles the earth Three times in ten seconds on the internet. Blessed be God. If you want to meet with him this morning, you're gonna to have to learn how to get along with God. Get along with God. Oh notice the timing of this appearance. Gideon was alone. <laughs> Oh no wonder that blessed hymn writer wrote that hymn I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the son of God discloses I he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own <laughs> and the voice I hear falling on my ear oh my goodness he's alone our Lord prayed alone our Lord went and got alone Saints, you need to learn to get along. Shut everything off. Leave it all outside. Shut the door if you have to. Whatever you got to do, find a place in the woods. Be alone with God. I don't often use personal illustrations. Almost never. But I saw something this week that shocked me. I had to go to Peachtree City, which is very seldom coming back in Peachtree City, that great main intersection right there. Coming out of Peachtree City. And somebody had taken and made a long paper banner right there in that corner. Thousands of cars go by there. They'd taken right there in that corner and set up this. And they had three words painted on that banner. Pray. Pray pray. And it was sitting in that angle. You could see all three. And behind each word was a man. Down on one knee with his head bowed clearly in the posture of prayer. In that public intersection making a giant dramatic display and I'm not criticizing their purposes. I know what I hope i, I think they're motive. I know they're trying to get America to realize a need for prayer. I understand what they're saying, but I understand what my God said in this book that great display of prayer, and that's what it was. It's nothing but a display of prayer. Flies right into the base of the words of our God, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogue, and in the corners of the streets, that they may be sealed men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth thee in secret, shall reward thee openly. I don't know what those fellows would do with that scripture. I wish I'd had time to stop. I'd have stopped and asked. I was already late for where I was going. I'd have stopped and I wonder what they'd do with that scripture. Brother, out here in the middle of this wild intersection. This is not the place! You've got to learn to get along with me. God. Our Lord's instructions are clear. Get in your closet and shut the door. But I must move quickly. Notice with me in the timing of God's appearance. I said that it, number one, it was after the prophet came, number two, it was while he was alone. Number three, it was while he was busy with what meager work he could do. He was busy with what meager work he could do. Mm. Mm. Here, when this scene opens to our view in chapter 6, Gideon is in a position where he has no hope for deliverance. But he's doing what he can. He has no power over the Midianite armies. He has no command of Israel's forces. He has no thought of any kingship that was later offered to him He doesn't even have enough grain threshed to feed his family. All he has, you listen to me, don't miss this. All he has is a pile of wheat and a stick. Oh, my blessed friend this morning. When the angel of the Lord appears to him, he's using the stick to do what he can. Oh, oh I hope you learned the lesson of our Lord here. If you're struggling today under the burden of a Midianitish oppression, if you feel reduced to subjugation by the evil around you, If you're staggering under the load of a hard and unrelenting providence, put your hand to whatever little pile of wheat God has given you and stick with it. Notice the angel of the Lord appeared to him while he was doing what he could. Amen. Oh, listen to me. Just put your hand to whatever little pile of wheat God has given you. Put your head down and your back into it and labor on. Learn this lesson, my young friends. Learn this lesson, my old friends. Just get to the work of what you have. God is sitting under an oak tree somewhere nearby watching. <laughs> Hallelujah. The timing of it. It was while he was doing what little could. Well, I know you remember that great lesson so graphically taught to us by our Lord, and I'll not take time. But you know the lesson. Matthew 25, verse 14. Matthew 25, verse 14, you have the story. He gave five talents to one. He gave two talents to another. He gave one to another. Sometimes we think because our opportunities are not great. We have nothing to do that counts for the Lord. Remember the timing of this visitation of the angel to Gideon. It was while he was doing what he could with what he had. Fourthly, as to the timing of this visitation of this dear saint in his consternation, notice this. It was when he was in the greatest depths of his deepest distress. It was while he was in the greatest depths of his deepest distress. Everything in this text tells us. Everything in this text tells us. And then Gideon's own mouth gives testimony in verse 13 to this fact. The Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. He is in deep distress. It was while he was in deep distress. It was while he was in consternation. The danger of the Lord visited him. Oh, again, and I, I don't do this frequently, but I have this morning made much reference to modern context. Modern quasi-Christianity would tell us that God is only near when we're on the mountaintop. But that couldn't be further from the truth. I told you last week, and I'll remind you again this week, our God is often nearest when we are in our greatest distress. Haven't some of you found that in your own experience? Haven't you experienced that it's in your deepest distress that you found the Lord nearest to you? Get in the timing, the time I'm just trying to talk to you this morning about the timing of this visitation to this soul in consternation It's while he's in his deepest distress. Oh listen to me, it's in the fire that those three Hebrew children will see that fourth man. Oh, it's in the line men that Daniel will see in Daniel chapter 6. An angel from the Lord, he's called, and shut their mouths. Oh, blessed Peter. <laughs> in Acts chapter 12, blessed Peter, it was when he was kept in prison, verse 5 says, bound between two soldiers, kept in chains, that verse says. It was then that the angel came, and verse 7 said, Light shined, hallelujah. Light shined. When? Oh, when he was in his deepest distress. That's when the light shined. Oh, my dear sainted friend, it just may be that our God will drive you into a wine press somewhere with a stick. Before he comes in person to say, the Lord is with thee. Amen. Can I say that again? It just may be that in his providence, our God will drive you into a wine press somewhere with nothing but a stick in order to come and say, the Lord is with thee. Hallelujah. All of this I do this morning to show you the consternation of this dear man and the timing. But now I must truly hurry and so show you one more thing concerning the timing. It was while Gideon was surrounded by idolatry and evil even in his own father's house, verse 25. It was while Gideon was surrounded by idolatry and evil, even in his father's own house. It was then that the Lord appeared to him, Oh, my dearly beloved, for you individually, for me individually, we cannot wait until God has wrought a great wholesale deliverance of the nation. Remember now, when the angel of the Lord came to Gideon, in verse 12, nothing has changed in Israel. There's been no deliverance. There's been no revival. <laughs> there have been no turning like there was under Jonah's preaching in Nineveh. Nothing has happened in verse 12. It's while Gideon, while Gideon is surrounded by idolatry and evil, the angel of the Lord met him. I say again, for me individually, for you individually, we cannot wait until God has wrought a great wholesale deliverance of the nation before we experience the presence of this angel. He may be pleased to come to my wine press. He may be pleased to come to my burdened soul with a sweet word of consolation. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. I fear that some today may have the wrong notions. About our God's dealings with His people. Some would say, well, when I get this situation sorted out, I'm gonna meet with the Lord. Some would say, when I get this problem solved, I'm sure the Lord will visit me. When I get this burden lifted off of my back, then surely I'll be able to commune with the Lord. When my health improves, when my finances allow me some relief, I'm sure I'll meet with the Lord. When my family gets on board with me, I'm sure I'll meet with the Lord then. When this, when that, when the other. There's always in the modern setting they seem to be all these whenever, whenever, whenever. When I do this, when I do that. No! God met with Gideon when he was in the midst of idolatry. Nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. God may choose to leave you. Hear me now. Hear me now. Oh, take this to your heart this morning. God may choose to leave you down in the bottom of some winepress surrounded by all that causes you pain in order to meet you there. In order to meet you there. Many's is the saint. That has learned this truth. In the wine press. Many is the saint in Fox's book of martyrs. That sang out in the fires of death. Great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. <laughs> in the city of our God. In the mountain of his holiness. <laughs> Oh yes, many's a martyr that's learned it in the fires of death. Many's the soul that has borne the stripes of the whip and cried out by his stripes, we're healed. Many's the saint who's whispered through parched lips of fever while the cool, cruel ravages of disease is licking up their moisture. They've whispered through parched lips. Sweet is the water of life, and it gushes out of my bowels. Many are those of whom the world is not worthy. Hebrews three eleven and verse thirty eight. Many are those of whom the world is not worthy, who've been crushed under the foul tyranny of the devil and abused, and yet. Yet they've come at last to cry out in these words. Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 3. Oh, as the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Oh, he brought me to the banqueting house. And his banner over me was love. <laughs> Stay me with flagons. <laughs> Comfort me with apples, for I'm sick of <laughs> Hallelujah. I said many of the saints that have been crushed under the tyranny of the devil and abused and yet cried out those words. Oh, he's, he's, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. Luke, I think it was Luke, maybe one of you other brethren, I think it was Luke sent me a text this week with that song, I'll be all right as soon as I touch count. Oh, brethren, don't wait. God appeared to Gideon while he was still in the midst of everything that pained him. it's not an improved situation that we need it's not a better government a stronger economy a wiser military that we need what we need is a divine visitation we need God to come and visit us in our distress But now, I come to close, even though I haven't gotten halfway through my outline. Never mind it. Notice with me as we consider together, finally, the timing of our Lord's appearance. I'm giving you some of the things that help us understand, learn, learn our God's dealings with us by looking at this consternation. This question, the consternation of this questioner. And I'm talking to you about the timing of it. Finally, it was when he was lowest in his own eyes. Look at verse 15. Oh, my Lord. Verse 15. Oh, my Lord. Wherewith shall I save it? Behold, my family's poor, and I'm the least in my father's house. Hey, hey, it was when he was the lowest and the least in his own eyes that the angel came. (laughs) That said, hey, Lord, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. (laughs) You hear me? God hates a haughty spirit, and he resists the proud. Gideon had no thought of self-worth. You want to meet with the Lord? Here's a good place to get. Here's a good place to get. The least in your own eyes. That's when the angel came to Gideon, when he was least in his own eyes. Proverbs 51:17 says, "A burden." A broken, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. Oh, I wonder how long it'll be in some hearts before they cry out in the words of Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5, Woe is me, for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of People of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the king, all the Lord of (laughs) hosts! Notice the topic It's when Gideon was absolutely the lowest in his own eyes. Oh blessed Lord, bring us to that place. Bring us to that place. And sometimes it'll require a Midianite oppressor. A wine press. Nothing but a stick. And a pile of wheat. Lord, help us. Help us. Turn with me in your hymn book, if you will, please. Stand with me and we sing together. Standing to sing number 673. And can my heart aspire so high to save my Father God? Lord, at thy feet I fain would lie and learn. To kiss the wrongs I would submit To all thy will For thou art good and wise Let each rebellious thought be still Nor one faint murmur rise. Thy love can cheer the darkest gloom and bid me wait serene till hopes and joys immortal bloom and brighten and the sea my father God permit my heart to plead her humble claim and ask the bliss those words impart in my Redeemer's name.